0: It's time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Scott in here with you. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Tuesday. Hope you're doing well as we begin, go through another week. This Now here's the thing, it's going to get nicer. So that's, I guess, what we have to look forward to. Jason Jorgensen's here. Susan Littlefield's here. Bob Brogan was here, but uh, got up in a huff and left. So I mean, we're, not, we're not really sure. We'll find out what that's all about a little bit later. Susan, how are you today?
1: All right, the sun is shining. Let's just go with that. All right,
0: I I just uh, I just saw some seagulls fly through the air. Uh, Apparently, they were blown by the wind all the way out here. I say a little confused. I am a little little confused by that situation, but uh, that's certainly not a new thing for me. So, uh, what do you got, Susan?
1: Well, we'll try to unconfuse you, especially if you're looking at having a, a, a child apply for the Nebraska Ag Youth Institute. Opportunities are available for those high school juniors and seniors. We're going to get more from Rebel coming up on that at 1219. And then, Clay, this is a two-part series, part one today. He is talking with the Sand Hills Beef Company. The conversation centers around food security and consumer choice. As supermarkets struggle to keep shelves stocked, here's another option, buying straight from the producer and again this will be uh, part two to come up tomorrow and then we'll wrap it all up at 117 as i talk with brad coima as we talk about some formula cattle what's been happening in this cattle market in this crazy up and down cycle we continue to have
0: boy it certainly is that that'll be interesting thank you susan i appreciate it
1: no problem thank you
0: well we turn it over to jason jorgensen haymakers uh, got a new boys basketball coach Looks like a pretty good one. They do. His name is Nick
2: Bros. He is a native of Fremont. Ten very successful years out of Bridgeport. He won 166 games and twice they went to the state tournament. We will get his thoughts about pulling up stakes from Bridgeport and heading to Cozette. If you'd like to hear more with Coach
0: Brose, uh you can find that entire interview at krvn.com. And another coach is retiring and, and uh, went up against him a few times in Battle Creek when he was at West Point CC. He was good.
2: Yeah, Coach Benlick uh, calls it a career after forty-seven years. <laughs> That's a over six hundred wins.
0: Six hundred against three hundred losses, right? So, yeah,
2: wow. And you cranked it out for quite a while. He did. So we he did. will uh, touch on that. Also, some NASCAR news. Uh, Got to be careful. Got to be careful what you say, especially on virtual races. That, that could cost you a uh, big time. So, also need to mention a uh, former Royals. And Cubs manager Jim Fry passed away over the weekend at the age of
0: 88. I'll be dying. I didn't hear that. That's too bad. He was a fixture for a lot of years in baseball, that's for sure. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan now. And uh, stocks are up again today after down day yesterday.
3: Stocks are rallying today on Wall Street as the White House and a number of state governors are weighing in on how to gradually reopen the economy. Uh the International Monetary Fund uh says the world economy in 2020 will suffer its worst year since the Great Depression and uh that's not uh real uplifting. Wells Fargo says its profits plunged nearly 90% in the first quarter as the uh, bank had to set aside billions to cover potentially bad loans due to the coronavirus pandemic. So those are some of the stories we're watching.
0: Well, it's not easy to restart an engine after you run out of gas, and so uh, that might be the case. We'll uh, hear more on midday. Eleven forty-four. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here today. We were uh, just talking about uh, looks can be deceiving. That's certainly <laughs> the certainly the case right now. Boy, it looks, uh, the last couple of days, it looked real nice outside, but uh, then you go outside and that wind just slaps you right in the face. And that's when know.
4: reality hits yeah. you in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sure does, but relief is in the future we just have to get through this week
4: yes uh, this week uh, looking to be still a rough one as far as temperatures go but definitely a big improvement as we head towards next week and also we have got some information on just how cold this week is oh boy. when you compare it to the records across. really yes <laughs> so uh, that should give you a pretty good hint as same. just to how cold it is right now most of the nebraska temperatures especially along and north of i-80 in the mid to upper 30s we do have still some low 30s in the northern reaches of Nebraska, but most of the locations along the north of I-80 in the mid to upper 30s. Southern Nebraska into northern Kansas and northeast Colorado. Those temperatures currently in the low 40s. Been on the breezy side once again for today. But temperatures are going to be mild there, but still 15 degrees below normal. Those breezy downslope westerly winds helping with that warm-up today off a ridge of high pressure over the Rockies. On the backside of low pressure, we could see a few sprinkles or flurries this afternoon in central and east areas. A hard freeze does remain likely across the region for most areas for tonight all the way through Friday night. So if you've got any ambitious plans of doing any gardening, uh, you may not want to do that right now. Overnight lows are forecast to remain in the 20s once again for tonight all the way through Friday night. Now tomorrow will be milder with temperatures 10 degrees cooler than usual and some lighter winds. So it will be feeling much better with those lighter winds Clouds, though, will increase with the approach of an area of low pressure. Now, with the passage of that weak area of low pressure, there will be chances of snow or rain for tomorrow night through Thursday night. Not going to be a big system, but 1 to 3 inches of snow is a possibility from Hastings, to Kearney, Loop City, Lexington, Broken Bow, North Platte, and Imperial. From Ogallala into the southern panhandle, there's a possibility of 4 to 6 inches of snow, less than an inch expected elsewhere. We do have that snowfall forecast map. That you can view on our KRVN Facebook page by Friday. Ridge of high pressure building onto the plains begins a warming trend. The weekend and next week will be dry with seasonal to above normal temperatures. Now, Scott, if you thought this week. It was a bit cold for this time of mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You are correct.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. Hey, what do you know? Every once in a while.
4: Yes. The projected average temperature around 36 for this week going to be the coldest on record for this six-day period from, once again, this last Sunday through Friday. So the coldest. Coldest on record? Yes. These, uh, this wow. six-day period from Sunday through Friday. So. Okay,
0: well, I did feel cold, so that, that's, I guess <laughs> so that's good.
4: It's not anybody's imagination. <laughs> but the long-term forecast does look warmer. seasonal to Near-normal temperatures are forecast for Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week. By late next week through April 27th, we will look to be warmer than normal for Nebraska and Kansas and the western two-thirds of the U.S. Near-normal to below-normal precipitation begins the outlook for next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Precipitation trends near-normal to slightly above-normal, Late next week through the 27th. Soil temperatures four inches down at seven this morning for Northwest and North Central Nebraska, just above freezing at 33 to 34. Along in South of I-80, Eastern Nebraska and Northwest Kansas, the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 30s. Elsewhere in Kansas, the soil temperatures in the low half of the 40s. One of the factors in the market include cold weather in the Midwest, slowing down the field work, and promising rain chances for Russia wheat. Cold weather will remain in place for the rest of the week across most of the U.S. Over the next few days, freezes can be expected along the north a line from the northern Texas panhandle into the Tennessee Valley. That will put at risk heading winter wheat, emerging summer crops, and blooming fruits. An example in Tennessee includes 57% of the apple crop that's now in full bloom. Over the next several days, accumulating snow may occur as far south as the central and southern plains, the mid Mississippi Valley, and the central Appalachians. This morning, there was even an inch of snow that fell in Amarillo, Texas. Better field work opportunities are expected when the weather turns warmer the final 10 days of this month in the black sea region towards russia light to moderate rain is forecast this week and will be a benefit to the soil moisture for their winter week
0: okay all right very good thank you i appreciate it uh, and we will uh, hope for warmer days but i didn't that's pretty that's a pretty amazing statement
4: yes uh, coldest <laughs> on record here in this 6-day period of this week <laughs>
0: oh that's crazy all right well thank you i appreciate it paul where do you go to check in on your weather
4: weather tab k r v n dot com Many of us are experiencing a lot of worry right now,
5: but in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells us, don't worry about anything, but instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then, His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ. So I want to encourage you today, instead of worrying, take some time to pray and let His peace fill our hearts.
0: This Love Local message brought to you by Calvary Assembly of God Lexington. And KRVN, The River, CAMI, and KUVR.
6: The Nebraska Agricultural Youth Institute has been preparing leaders in the ag industry for nearly 50 years. I'm Rebel Saclocha reporting. I sat down with Felicia Knitzer, a member of the Nebraska Ag Youth Council and head counselor for NAYI 2020.
7: So, NAYI is a week long opportunity for high school juniors and seniors to engage in Nebraska, Nebraska's agriculture. It truly is a week that these students get to meet industry professionals. um, They get to talk with producers themselves and really get to fine-tune their passions for agriculture.
6: Every year, NAYI is designed around a new theme. Knitzer says it didn't take long for this year's council members to pick a theme that reflected their vision for NAYI 2020.
7: So this year, our theme is Building Your brand. Um, we really wanted to allow these students to fine-tune who they are, what they want to do, and how they want to make contributions to Nebraska agriculture. Um, so the theme kind of came to the council, and it was kind of unanimous that this is our theme for the year. There wasn't much debate about what um, our theme was, which was kind of a unique thing about this year. Um, but we really just thought it represented what NAYI kind of stands for. Um, like we mentioned earlier, it is a week to just really engage and network Um, not only with industry professionals, but with students across the state. And so I just think that it's a great way to build your personal brand and kind of figure out what you want to do with yourself.
6: Applications for NAYI are due at 11.59 p.m. this Wednesday, April 15th. Knitzer says all students should give NAYI a chance and open themselves up for both personal and professional development.
7: Personally, it was the best investment I've made for myself. Um, The connections, the relationships, um, and the places that I've gone because of NAYI, um, I can't put that into words. Um, if you're on a about applying, just do it. Invest in yourself. I promise you, you won't regret it. Thanks to our amazing industry sponsors. Um, we work throughout the year diligently to make sure that this event is completely free for you guys. Like I, get, like I said again, um, thanks to our industry sponsors. They do an awesome job at contributing to this organization.
6: Throughout the week, NAYI delegates attend sessions with industry professionals and even learn professional etiquette. Knitzer shares some of her favorite activities that go on throughout NAYI. I think everyone's
7: first and foremost favorite of NAYI is our street dance, which takes place on Thursday night. Um, By Thursday, these students are really getting to interact with each other. They're getting to make these lifelong friendships. And the street dance is really just a great place to really kind of express those connections and have fun on the dance floor or the street, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, we really learn a lot of different line dances, swing dances. I know for me... I thought I knew how to dance, but I was completely wrong. Um, so that was kind of a fun learning experience. Some other highlights include our state dinner on Wednesday night. And we Girls to wear their prom dresses, guys wear a suit and tie. And we go to the Cornhusker and have a very nice formal meal, get listened to a couple more speakers there, some awards are presented. Um, and then Tuesday night, um, we have our Games on the Greens, which is kind of a competitive, fun event for the different groups at NYI to compete against there with.
6: The conference takes place every year in July, and no action has been taken at this time that would suggest cancellation due to COVID-19.
7: We are paying close attention to everything happening across the state and globally, Um, but for now we're going to continue planning NAYI, uh, organizing all our different events, until the governor of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln cancels our event.
6: Once again, that was Felicia Knitzer, Nebraska Ag Youth Council member and head counselor for NAYI 2020. Applications for NAYI are due this Wednesday, April 15th at 11.59 p.m. Applications can be found online at nda.nebraska.gov slash NAYI. For more information, you can visit the Nebraska Ag Youth Council's Facebook and Instagram pages. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
2: It's time for sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Cozad has looked west for its next boys basketball coach. After a successful 10-year run as a head coach at Bridgeport, Nick Bros has accepted the job in Cozad. He was officially hired as basketball coach, middle school PE teacher last night, and he talks about this decision to move to Dawson County.
8: I do think that uh, the city of Cozad is a great community and uh, a great fit for us as a family. and And, and as far as basketball-wise... It's you know it's set up to to really um, grow and and I think it's something similar to 10 years ago when we got here in Bridgeport.
2: The native of Fremont had a good run out west. He put together a record of 166 and 78 with two Class C one state tournament appearances. Wisner Pilger coach Dwayne Menlick, the winningest boys basketball coach in Nebraska high school history, is stepping down after 47 years coaching the sport. He passed Jerry Eikhoff of Hampton for the state lead in wins during the 2018-19 season. Closes up his career with an overall record of 694-387. and 387. That's after a 16-9 season with the Gators his past winter. He won 512 games in his first 35 seasons at West Point Central Catholic. Well, on Saturday, Nebraska Athletics will stream a video game simulation of a red-white Nebraska spring game in Memorial Stadium. This will feature rosters comprised of Husker football legends. It will be streamed live on a number of social media platforms. The game will also incorporate audio from the Husker Sports Network. That starts at 1. Former Major League Manager Jim Fry, who led the Royals to the 1980 World Series, died over the weekend at the age of 88. Fry was the manager of the Royals in nineteen eighty and led them to a record of ninety seven and sixty-five. They made the World Series but lost in six games to the Phillies. However, he was out after the nineteen eighty one season. He then reemerged as manager of the Cubs in nineteen eighty four. He led them to a glorious summer as they went ninety-six and sixty-five. They finished first in the NL East, but then lost in the NL Championship Series in five games to the Padres. He was named the manager of the year that season. His last year with the Cubs was in nineteen eighty six. And Kyle Larson has been fired by Chip Ganassi Racing a day after nearly every one of his sponsors dropped the star driver for using a racial slur during a live stream of a virtual race. Larson was in his seventh cup season with Ganassi and had just been prepping to test free agency for the first time. Just weeks ago, the 27-year-old was considered the top free agent in NASCAR. Now he's out of a job of what could ultimately be an eight-figure blunder. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen.
9: Governor Pete Ricketts says he has continued to communicate with JBS officials in Grand Island about safety measures the meatpacking plant is taking, and he is monitoring the situation closely, as a number of workers there have tested positive for the coronavirus. In response to a reporter's question, Ricketts addressed the situation at the JBS plant during a COVID-19 briefing on Monday afternoon.
10: Been working with uh, a number of food processors, uh, was on the phone with JBS, uh, for example, I think Sunday through Thursday every day. I think I, Friday was the first day we didn't talk. Uh, but, again, and got a lot of information for them with regard to what are they doing to be able to do more social distancing. I mentioned some of those things already with regard to taking the temperatures, the masks, the increased sanitation, the plexiglass to create more space within the workspace. So all of these folks understand that they've got to work hard to be able to make sure that we can keep those plants open and continue to um, make sure we keep the supply lines for food here in our country strong.
9: Ricketts has said that even if a shelter-in-place order was in effect in Grand Island, JBS would not be shut down because it is an essential industry to the nation's food supply chain. During the same press conference on Monday, Governor Ricketts lamented that he was not able to give more attention to line workers' Appreciation Day in Nebraska, but took some time to mention it during his daily coronavirus briefing.
10: We've got about 6,000 miles of transmission lines here in the state of Nebraska, over 100,000 miles of sub-transmission lines. These 1,800 folks are the ones who make sure that stays in order for us, especially when we have weather like we did over this weekend. They're the ones that go out there to make sure that we get that power restored if it's been knocked out. Uh, So I just want to say thank you to all of our line workers and all that they're doing to be able to make sure we continue to keep the lights on here in the state of Nebraska.
9: Ricketts noted that there are about 1,800 line workers that maintain the state's power grid across the state. State health officials say another COVID-19 death has been reported in Nebraska, bringing the state's total to 18. The Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services reported on Monday that the state's 18th virus-caused death is that of a man in his 90s with underlying health conditions living in Washington County. The department says the state stands at 871 confirmed coronavirus cases, while nearly 10,500 people have tested negative. Also, Governor Ricketts rejected a call from two state lawmakers to resume normal school and business activities in Nebraska. Ricketts said doing so could lead to a surge in new cases that might overwhelm the state's hospitals. Agencies were paged shortly after 11 a.m. today for a two-vehicle crash with possible injuries at 9th and Harrison in Lexington. Priority Medical was headed to the scene to care for the injured if there were any. The jaws of life were requested on the initial page. For more news anytime, go to krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson.
4: Rely on
2: KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest Governor's Press Conference, and DHHS virus reports, will bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our Coronavirus Information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by Cozad Community Home. Um.
11: From my perspective, it it boils down to what do you value, you know, as the consumer. Now, we live in the United States of America, one of the most prosperous times in the history of the universe. And if you have disposable income or, you know, uh, have the ability to have a preference on what type of product you want to choose and you don't want necessarily the cheapest product, then I think you should have the opportunity to have that.
5: That's Jacob Wingbach, and he owns Sand Hills Beef Company, a private livestock processing company in Mullen, Nebraska. I recently had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Jacob over the subject of food security. Now, I don't just mean a safe and wholesome product. The U.S. has had one of the safest and cheapest food supplies in the world for quite a while. According to the USDA, just 7.8 cents of every U.S. consumer dollar is spent on food. Yet, does that alone satisfy a secure food supply? Food security, defined by the United Nations Committee on World Food Security, means that all people, at all times, have physical, social, and economic access to sufficient, safe, and nutritious food that meets their food preferences and dietary needs for an active and healthy lifestyle. Yet in the unprecedented times of the COVID-19 pandemic, supermarkets have had trouble keeping products on the shelves as consumers rushed to stock up. So without more options of buying food, do consumers have ample choices for their food? I think they do, but many may not realize that. So let's get back to the interview with Wingbok. Jacob, before we get into how you got into the beef processing plant to start with, what is your thought and what is your take
11: on food security? Hopefully, what people are questioning is, why are things that way? Why is our food system that fragile that they're having troubles making deliveries and and all those kinds of things to the different grocery stores? And the question in my mind is, does it have to be that way? It's not the way it used to be.
5: When it comes to meat, there are more options than just the meat counter. Jacob explained to us how Sandhills Beef Company and other private processors work for the consumer wanting to buy meat straight from the producer.
11: Yeah, the business we have right now out at Hills Beef Company, we custom process for the owners of the animals at, at the time of slaughter. So a rancher or even a private consumer or citizen from any town around or even from a city can buy directly from a rancher. And then they can bring that animal to us and we'll process it for them to their specifications and give it back to them.
5: Jacob, you've been in the custom processing business for over five years now, and you've learned a lot about meat processing, ranchers, and your local community. So there comes the question of why did you get into this business? And to our listener who may be just meeting you for the first time, I want to give a little more background on Jacob Wingbach. You're a systems engineer who was educated at Annapolis Naval Academy, and you've served as a submarine officer. I've got to say thank you for your service to our great country. After your service, you then worked as a nuclear power plant inspector. So again, given that information, why custom meat processing
11: well i don't know i don't know if I could actually explain that in a way that anybody would understand because some days i I question whether I made the right decision, but I can definitely tell you the story approximately two thousand five two thousand six time frame, our oldest child was di- uh, diagnosed with autism, and for people in that community, they know that that's a a rising problem the statistics are pretty increasing and and incredible and to make a long story short when that happens we really don't know what causes that and so we look to food because we believe my family and I that food is essentially medicine i mean if you think about it you take drugs you put them in your body your body digests them they do what they're supposed to do well How is food any different? So we really focused on cleaning up our diet and then looking into uh, meat products. We were very particular about what we were trying to purchase. And that was just our our way of going about things. And you start doing research and you realize that sometimes you're pretty limited in your choices. And why are you limited in your choices? Through further research, I realized and was made aware in the protein industry as far as any kind of niche products maybe you want something organic maybe you want something that's grass-fed what the studies were saying was that there was a infrastructure issue like i've mentioned to you before you know granddad said see a need fill a need and i happen to know of a meat packing plant that was for sale and had been shuttered for a couple years so we made that life choice to to buy a meat packing plant to offer that choice to people if that was what they valued
5: Jacob, a lot of times what we talk about, we talk about the fact consumer having that choice. And right now in the food world, there just isn't really that much choice. You go to the grocery store. That is where your food choice is. So right now, do you think there's the ability to educate the consumer, the fact that you still can buy from the
11: producer? Hopefully with what's going on right now in the country People are questioning choice, and from my perspective, you go to the grocery store, you have the illusion of choice. You have fifteen twenty thousand products all made by five to ten multinational companies, and that really leaves little room for the small business owner and In my mind, the question becomes, well, you know why is it that way? Why is it the way that you know we don't have a butcher baker and candlestick maker in different communities? in towns and cities i mean people that you trusted to go and get your product from you knew what it was where it came from and you knew the farms and ranches that supplied that i have given a lot of thought to that and i think uh the answers to that play into where our country is right now
5: that's all the time we have today but we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow same time and same place In that conversation, we're going to look at a plan of how ranchers and feeders may have the opportunity to market directly to the consumer. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
3: With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are broadly higher in trading on Wall Street as the White House and a number of state governors weigh in on how to gradually reopen the economy. Traders also have their eye on earnings reports from several big companies for the first three months of the year. Technology stocks are powering much of the rally. The International Monetary Fund says the world economy in 2020 will suffer its worst year since the Great Depression of the 1930s because of the coronavirus. The IMF expects the global economy to shrink 3% this year before rebounding in 2021 with 5.8% growth. However, it cautions that prospects for a rebound next year are clouded by uncertainty. The IMF's assessment represents a breathtaking downgrade. In its previous forecast in January, before COVID-19 emerged as a grave threat, it had forecast moderate global growth of 3.3% this year. But measures to contain the pandemic have suddenly brought economic activity to a near standstill across much of the world. Wells Fargo says its profits plunged nearly 90% in the first quarter as the bank had to set aside billions of dollars to cover potentially bad loans due to the coronavirus. Wells boosted the money in reserve for potentially bad loans to $3.83 billion from $845 million a year ago as borrowers faced the possibility of defaulting on their loans. The government's top infectious disease expert says the U.S. still lacks critical testing and other procedures needed to begin reopening the nation's economy, adding a dose of caution to increasingly optimistic projections from the White House. Dr. Anthony Fauci told the Associated Press that easing off strict social distancing rules would be on a rolling basis around the country. He says localities should be prepared to see new COVID-19 cases when that happens and act quickly to contain them. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob
1: Rogan. Taking a look at the cattle prices as of late. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. We watch the prices go up and down and down again. As I talked yesterday during the Fontenelle Final Bell with Brad Coima He's with Coima Coima & out of Sioux Center, Iowa. Not only does Brad trade as a commodity broker, but he's also a cattle feeder. So he gets and understands the pain going through this industry right now.
8: You know... I would like to think that that your listeners are probably savvy enough to understand that uh, livestock markets are different than, really, they're different than any other in in a in a way, and and they're different because we're talking about a perishable item. Uh, we're talking about an item that goes out of suitability for the for who wants to buy them. Uh, and I, what I mean is, you can store corn, you can store soybeans, right? Um, Uh, You cannot store cattle, uh, nor can you store hogs, um, because they just grow bigger and bigger. So, uh, you know, the listeners going like, geez, Brad, tell us something we don't know. Well, I've been pretty engaged here with um, senators, uh, trade associations, um, representatives, uh, secretary of agriculture, um, and there are varying levels. I'm not suggesting that do doesn't get it he understands i think the markets of course but uh you know others if you're not right in the middle of it don't even appreciate this what the risk is to the market if you're unable to harvest these animals on a timely basis and i'm afraid you know the ability to kill uh, and harvest is certainly uh the the market's number one concern right now susan
1: we talked about this before we started the font now final bell and i really wanted to bring this into the conversation because you look at the weekly numbers and the prices and you brought up St. Joe and let's talk about that formulated cattle price versus what we're seeing on the dressed market and what that really means not only to to non-cattle producers in ag but just folks in general.
8: Well, yeah, this is a USDA report. Um, I called St. Joe to make sure that I wasn't looking at the data uh, wrong Uh, but you know the discrepancy between well, you know, the, you know I'm a negotiated cash trader. You know that part of what I think is 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 wrong with the market is the high volume of trade that the backer doesn't have to negotiate for. And it just struck me this week that looking at last week's data, the the average price for steer and heifers, uh, if you had a formula for last week, was 186.08, um, and the negotiated cash average price was 167.89. Yeah, the difference between 186 and about 168. Now, some of that, maybe you could explain a bit in that, well, you know, I suppose some of those formulas are lagged a week or two from when they were put in. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to make an excuse for it. Just look at the difference there. It's it's remarkable. So I think we can all do ourselves a favor uh, by negotiating more cattle or doing something about the discrepancy between the values of those two. Uh, I would like to say, though, that there are a few things. There are a few things that have me just a little bit encouraged or optimistic that, you know, the cattle thing could... Could get better if we can make the assumption here that that we can get this kill schedule somewhat close to normal.
1: Looking at that kill schedule, though, I mean, and the the delays that we're seeing, at least we've got some Saturday kills out there that are trying to help to to pick up the pace.
8: Correct. I uh, I think that the the, the the Saturday kill, which I think is a is a is an extension of uh, the extreme profitability that the Packers are having, so they're they are highly incentivized. Um, to kill, uh, much like after the Holcomb fire.
1: You can pick up the entire Final Bell conversation on a podcast through our website. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network.
7: Play
5: Patton on the World Radio Network, talking with John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, not a turnaround Tuesday for the grains. We actually kind of slink back, especially for that wheat. It was turnaround to the red side. Some snow in Amarillo, freeze damage possibly up through central Kansas. What do we see to keep this rally going?
12: Yeah, boy, it really makes you think, wonder if the KC even cares about what what its actual fundamentals are. Uh, I think the the selling just comes from Black Sea rains. I mean, I think there's fun selling based on that. Um, I, I can't really make heads or tails of what. Yeah, and I've heard what you've heard, you know, a lot of problems um, that are that going to develop from, from this weather that looks to be a, a sticking around for at least a couple of days. So, um, you know, and then that kind of bleeds onto the corn side. So corn doesn't need any. Any help going down? Uh, it'll go down on any bearish means. I think, just given that Brazil's rain looks to be okay and uh, rain forecast for the Black Sea looks look to be a little bit better, uh, the market's taking it lower. And then you have the delivery trade as well, um, and that'll be something you and I talk about over the next oh three days. Uh, not three days, three weeks. Um, it's basically you know every every uh, first notice day we seem to bottom out, and I, I think it'll happen again this time around. So if you're going to reown corn, I of course, and uh, if you, um, you want to, you know, look to do that, I'd say stay short until, I don't know, the end of the month or close to it.
5: Now, looking over at the soybean side of the trade, too, we're going to get Napa crush numbers out tomorrow. Maybe anything there that could help out this market?
12: Oh, the, the, the crush will look good, and, you know, the bean markets are, are certainly interested in, in um, you know, looking at. You know, really good margins. I mean, meal demand should be good. I'm a little bit baffled about why meal hasn't performed as well. But, um, as we move forward here, I just think it's, it's just the next two weeks are going to be rough. But I think the markets will be supported down at those lows that we saw back in March. I think, uh, you know, the 820 level, 830 level, um, front month. So. I just wish I could be more bullish. I come on here every day and I want to be somewhat optimistic. And, you know, there's just so much bad news that, you know, you could sell into. The only really bullish thing out there is that everybody's bearish.
5: Again, we're talking...
12: I wish I could be a little more optimistic.
5: Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. If you'd like to see that newsletter this week in grain, visit DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Please consider these risks before investing. As we take a look, it's gonna be as the settlements roll in nearly ten cents lower on many of the KC week contracts, three to five for the corn contracts.
3: And that'll do it for today's midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN.com or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Our midday program and our midday spot or podcast is sponsored by DaVinny Motor.
10: Howdy, folks. This is Rick from DaVinny Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and the Cook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.